Welcome to the First Mentor Podcast. Here, you will hear us talk about a variety of topics for the entire family that will hopefully spark a discussion, create a new curiosity, or simply teach you something new. The goal is to inspire you to learn life skills and soft skills not taught in school and prepare you to live an extraordinary life. Come on and spend some time with us on your commute to school or anytime you're free. Hello mentees and family of mentees. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the First Mentor Podcast. And this is your host and mentor Vanessa Yang. Today, we have invited Lillian Fung, a certified human resources professional and a coach to talk about the topic of self-awareness. Now, self-awareness is one of those soft skills that many of us don't know about or don't even think much about in our younger years but definitely essential in the pursuit of our own happiness and interaction with others. Now, if you haven't had the chance to, please remember to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes coming up and add us to your favorite list and also share this podcast with your friends and family. And if you would like to take your support to the next level, we would absolutely love it if you can buy us a boba tea by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash first mentor street. And now without further delay, here's our interview with Lillian. Welcome back everyone for another episode of the first mentor podcast. And I'm really excited to introduce our guest for you today, my friend Lillian Fung, who is a certified human resources professional, and she's also a coach. Welcome to the show, Lillian. Thank you, Vanessa. Pleasure to be here. I think we have another really exciting topic on hand, and we're going to talk about self-awareness today, because that's something I don't think I ever considered in my younger years. Like The term never even crossed my mind. So before we dive into it, though, I also always want our listeners to get a little bit of an idea who our guests are. I describe myself as a people watcher. That's pretty much from curiosity ever since I was little. And even now in my adult years, sometime my husband, Roger, would tell me to stop staring at people. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really nothing creepy. Yeah, it's nothing creepy. It's just that I am very curious about human behaviors and social interactions. A major part of why I'm this way is because I usually operate within the dichotomy of two cultures. Being 1.5 gen Asian American, (laughs) I wasn't born in America, but this is all that I know growing up here since I was preteen. With this curiosity, I believe that's what drove me to pursue a career in human resources and then also transitioning into leadership coaching. I do what I do with my clients from an HR standpoint and also as a leadership coach is because I really believe that although one may not have control of the circumstances that they encounter, they more than often can create the experiences that they want. One of the keys being able to do that is having strong Mm self-awareness and also being intentional about continually developing themselves personally. And when I say personally, it covers both things about non-work 
and work-related skill sets. Yeah. And I can totally relate to you when you say you love to people watch because I love to observe behavior too. And sometimes I see patterns within groups of people or certain behaviors. Just like you said, it's really more about curiosity, right? Because we're both really people-oriented and it, it just fascinates us. And when I was young, at one point I said, oh, should I study psychology? Because I really just wanted to understand the human mind better. But, you know, I got into accounting, but that's a different story. Let's start with your definition of self-awareness. It's a state of being aware, mindful, and also present of what you're doing, how you're doing it, and why. Oftentimes, I would say that we do things, but we're not always present or really paying attention to what we're doing. So having self-awareness is that just being ultimately be able to observe yourselves, what you're doing and adjust that. It's also about being able to sense how other people are experiencing their interaction with you in that moment in time. Sometimes I describe this experience with my clients as it's like having an out-of-body experience Mm -hmm. where you're basically observing yourself having this engagement with another person or a group of people. And you're like a fly on the wall where you see the interaction, you see your body language, you can hear what you're saying, and even your expression. It's kind of weird in a way that I I see it that way. But that was my experience sometime when I was participating in Toastmaster sessions. It's like you're standing up there and you're presenting to the audience and you can sort of see yourself as your hands move or the word choice that you use, eye contact they make, etc. So ultimately, this is what self-awareness means to me, being um, aware of yourself and also how other people are experiencing you. Yes, I think that's a really great point. Because many times I feel that, especially when I was younger, I was not as self-aware as I am right now as an adult. And sometimes it was Mm. just doing things out of impulse, right? You just do things because you Mm. feel like it and you don't realize what your triggers are. Something sometimes triggers you to behave in one way or another. And we really don't pay attention to the reasons, right? Somebody might have said something very innocently and they didn't mean it something, but it reminds you of an experience that might have been negative that you had in the past and you overreact, at least in certain people's eyes, because they don't know the story that's going in your head. So since we're especially at the younger age, and that's what our audience are, I assume they're not as self-aware yet. What do you suggest can they do to become more aware of themselves and their behavior? I would say there are a few things, and this applies to adults too, because as you mentioned, until we really pay attention to how we've been behaving, it's not really common to instinctively have that, oh, how am I coming across even when you're an adult? But I would say a few things that everyone can get started to develop their self-awareness first is to be curious about you, to the questions that you pose, that you ask, and reflect more on them. So for example, starting with this, this question I always share with my clients is, ask yourself, why do you do what you do in the way that you do it? Why do you do what you do in the way that you do it? Is it because that was something that you were taught to do, conditioning? Or was that something that you observe other people doing and 
it just strike you so much that you want to emulate it because it's good behaviors? Or as you mentioned, Vanessa, is it something out of impulse that is just like your reaction because of a negative experience or something prior? That's one of the approaches that you can start in your self-awareness development process. The other one, maybe a little bit easier, is really ask your trusted circle as far as like, you know, I want to work on this, but how have you been seeing me as far as my behavior and my actions? Like, do they align? Or what is it like to be my friend? For example, that's a simple question. Mm, It can be hard though, right? But those are your baseline, your checkpoint, if you will, that you can ask these questions to yourself or with other people who you trust to be for you, who will give you candid and real responses where they're not going to sugarcoat things. Mm -hmm. I would say the other thing also is really look to those you admire. It doesn't really have to be a real person. I mean, that worked for me because sometimes I watch cartoon a lot. Mm -hmm. And there are things like values that um, the characters would practice that I want to emulate. So those are the the things that you can try. Like, who do you look up to? Why do you look up to this person or these people? And whether their values, behaviors that you want to emulate, how are you doing that? Or maybe not. That's actually an interesting one. Sometimes just observing who you're drawn to and asking yourself Mm. why, right? The younger generation, they probably have influencers that they really look up to. It could be a coach or a teacher at school, a celebrity, what have you. So really starting paying attention to what you do, why you do it. And to me, I like to write things down because like I mentioned earlier, I like to observe Mm. patterns. And I did this for myself and many times in my life. And maybe the first time I write it down, I don't understand why, right? It could be a cause and effect thing. This happened and I reacted that way. I don't know why. And if you write that down often enough, you might see a pattern yourself about who you are and what you did. But I love the idea about asking others that you trust and get their candid input about you. Because I did this in corporate America when I was a manager, we had to do a 360 evaluation. Because Mm -hmm. self-awareness, I feel like it's sometimes also outside of what you think of yourself, but it's good to know what people think of you too. I include that in self-awareness for me at least. And doing the 360 feedback, I got some eye-opening feedback where I was like, oh, I never knew people perceived me in this way. And I meant that, but they interpreted at this. So it's good to ask people about their feedback, most definitely. Absolutely. Because our engagement with other people is, is a thing that we do every day, whether we see it as a necessity or not, right? Like really to live is to experience that human relationship. It should be a thing that we ask how other perceiving us, as as you mentioned, because again, it's it's not so much being influenced by other people's ideas of you or judgment of you or being a people pleaser, but it's more about okay, I want to be a good person and I want to practice better listening skills. Am I doing that with you or not? So it's more about your own development when you ask these type of questions. Yes, most definitely. And I know working in HR, you're probably very familiar with the different tests. I don't know if you call them personality tests or strengths tests. I think the other way that helped me become more aware of who I am is when I took 
the Myers-Briggs test. And I think there was others. I just don't remember their names. And they gave you a profile at mm-hmm. the end. I'm like, okay, based on your answers, this is who you are. And when I was reading all the description, I was like, yep, check, check. And I never saw that until I read this on a piece of paper. To me, that was pretty eye-opening seeing it the first time. Do you recommend for young people to do something like that as well? Take a test? I would say that that's another approach to establish your baseline, basically your starting point, right? I mean, how do you know how you're going to head to where you are? Like, how do you know which path to take if you don't know where you're starting out? So these personality tests, as you mentioned, from my experience, is really just to help you get a starting point, a baseline to your point, like the characteristics that come up that you wouldn't normally think about that are part of your characteristic traits. But don't tie yourself to it. What I mean is like life changes, right? They, yes. Life brings you a change to you. And in order to really thrive, you have to continually adapt. And that adaptation results with evolving yourself. So while these personality tests are good to start, don't just stick with it. Basically, don't put yourself in a box yes. is where I'm going with. And then the other thing is like, try to curb yourself from taking too many of them. <laughs> just one out of <laughs> because, curiosity to get an idea. And you yeah, can like one or two. Exactly. Like one or two, right? Uh, because uh, that was one of the things like in my earlier days, like starting with self-development and uh, self-awareness and whatnot is like, I see all these personality tasks and I just started taking them like all the time. <laughs> So you end up like spending a lot of time at the end of it. You realize like, oh, what am I going to do with all this information? It's just like a tip. Just experience it for yourself, but don't get so like sucked into it. And like, oh my gosh, this is so interesting about me. I want to know more. (laughs) So I'm going to take another test. Because people fall into that trap. So, so true. And as far as the next step is concerned, so somebody, let's say they have an idea. Okay, this is who I am, but I don't like this and that, right? I don't like a few things about what I'm observing and I want to improve because that's what we do a lot as adults too. We look into Mm. growth and development and improvement. And if I want to change certain things, certain behaviors of mine, what can we do there? Practice, it may sound simple, but because we're so wired to act based on our reflex or our default tendencies, we have to practice to develop this new muscle of how we want to respond to certain things. So for example, with my husband, I didn't realize that I was doing this, but he brought it up Mm -hmm. and I had to basically put a post-it note, like an invisible post-it note on my forehead to remind myself to not do it or curb my behavior, adjust it. Is that when I ask him a question, often I would walk away like I would start walking away walk away without the answer yeah or I would start the question or even a statement a response and I would be walking away like on my own walking away (laughs) so that's not good for engaging in a conversation right because how would he be able to hear me clearly if I'm not making eye contact or stay in the same space with him because now I'm talking with my back against him but I, I tend to do that. So I have to consciously make a note and say, okay, when you talk to Roger or ask a question, stay put for like two minutes, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and I had to 
practice it. But then I also ask for him to remind me to stay put. And the tricky part is for me not to take that offensively when he say, hey, you got to stay here and talk to me. Because sometimes, well, before more so, I, I would get annoyed when I get corrected. Going back to what you were saying earlier, is like subconsciously, we may have like this negative experience with something. So by default, we just react to that. Well, even when this person has nothing to do with that experience we, we had. But yeah, practice. Really don't be too hard on yourself. Know that this is a process, Absolutely. developing yourself, evolving, changing, adjusting. It's not about like, oh, I have to get it perfect the first time, but it's like, okay, now I am aware of how I can come off or how I am as far as my behavior, my tone, my rolling eyes, for example, <laughs> when somebody asks me a hard question, like now that I'm aware, I'm going to be very intentional about changing it. I'll make a note to myself, I'll write things down, my experience reflecting on it. Or I also can ask for help for the person to point it out to me when I'm doing this. Yes. Because practice works better in real time. Oh, right? or correction. Yeah. And really, the last one sort of rolled into the second point is to get support right? Ask your coach, mentor, good friends to help you out. These people are people who should be more keen about listening and helping you mm -hmm. than giving unsolicited advice. I wanted to add a little bit to it because I, I completely agree with you. It's practice. It's going to take time because we develop right. the pattern of who we are over years and it's not going to you know, happen overnight that we become a whole new person in certain areas. And it's funny too that you ask a question and walk away. I've learned things about myself just through the podcast and editing it because I never really hear what I say because I say it and then it's gone. It's out the window. But because I have to edit it, I hear myself say things over and over. And I've noticed, I was like, I say similar things all the time. Never realized that about myself. And all of a sudden I was like, yeah, why do I say these things all the time? So now I make a conscious effort to say things differently because I didn't like the way it sounds. So I thought ah. being a podcast host really helped me and hearing things over and over. And the other thing I wanted to point out that I'm currently working on myself is when people do things, we tend to have an initial reaction of judgment all the time. And I include myself in mm. that most definitely. And one of the things I've learned recently is to ask better questions instead of making a statement. And, and questions could mm. include like, where is this person coming from? Asking from their perspective that I don't write them off right away because I think he or she did it out of a particular reason because that's my story in my own head. It goes with my family. If my kid sometimes gives me attitude, I mean, I yes, I fight that. But I mm -hmm. also tend to say sometimes they had a bad day, maybe. I'll leave them alone mm. a little bit instead of, hey, don't talk to me like that, right? Right away or what, whatever that might be. So sure. something I'm working on and I, I figured that might be something that our audience could benefit from as well. Definitely. It, it goes back to the question of why do you do things the way that you do? Going to your experience that you just share now is just like really assessing. Is this how I want my kids to experience me or my reaction? Is this a person I want to be? Yes. Right. And then doing small work over time, integral work to, to really adjust that. And as you mentioned, it's a process. This is an ongoing process. And 
it's gonna continue pretty much for a lifetime. Yes, absolutely. Um, is from what I'm seeing so far. For those who've been listening for a while, and they might wonder, okay, that's all good. But why do I even need to be more self-aware? I'm just who I am, right? So take it or leave it, because I've heard that before too. Mm. And what mm-hmm. do you think are benefits of people gaining more self-awareness? There are just so many, depending on what you want to work on. But it really starts with that. Like, if you see a pattern of behavior that you don't like, that you tend to do, do you want to change it or not? To what you just said, like. Some people are just fine with how they are, how they come off, how they interact or not interact with the world or the people in in their lives. For many others, they want to adjust. But I would say some of the benefits that I personally enjoyed, and also my clients share, especially through the coaching stuff that we do, is really experiencing more joy, more peace, more confidence in self, mm-hmm. because. Now you have a clear path of how you want to be, and what are you doing to develop those basically skill sets? Self awareness, I think, is a skill, Absolutely. right? And then also, it's really be able to increase our influence with other people. Mm-hmm. Think about like you're able to get your points across better, and then more people will be open to collaborate with you. I can't speak for everybody, but for me, there are certain impact that I want to create in the lifespan that I'm here on Earth. Those impact, I can't really do it all by myself. I yes. need help, right? Yeah, so that as a starting point, you, you need to work with other people. The more that you know about yourself, the better you'll be able to influence other people and have them work more effectively with you. Because then you know your strength, you know areas that you need to work on are your opportunity area, if you will, right? So going back to that listening examples or to your examples of asking better questions, like instead of imposing judgment, when you don't really have background knowledge or context about someone's um, upbringing or their cultural conditioning, et cetera, like basically what made them who they are right now as you're experiencing them. Like if you don't have any context of that and you judge them, you're already canceling somebody who could potentially help you directly or they have a big network, you know, that where you can get support from to pursue whatever purpose or goals that you have to, to really impact the world more positively. Yeah, completely agree with everything you just said. And we talk about self-awareness today, but we cannot miss out on talking about EQ, right? Emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence. So let's discuss that a little bit. So in your own definition, what does EQ mean to you? So I look at it as an awareness of not only how other people are different from us, but also being able to engage with them effectively by adjusting our default behaviors and tendencies. I believe that everyone, as as you brought up too, everyone has a story. Their their upbringing, their cultural, social conditioning, their life experiences, all of that sort of weave together to make them who they are or how they react or respond to things at different moments in time. And that can dictate how they think and operate. So having EQ high EQ rather, is is having the ability to understand that people are complex, 
and also being proactive about what you can do to cultivate meaningful engagements with them whenever you interact with them. The next question to you is really, why do you think EQ is so important? But before I let you talk about it really quick, I just wanted to add that to me, it's important because you cannot function alone in the world, right? You Mm -hmm. need your community, family, your friends to work with you. So it's really important to understand them as well as yourself. Oh, absolutely. And I am just going to follow that. What you just share is, yeah, it's important because of just that, right? When you look at, let's say, different circles that make up basically different relationships in your life, starting with self, right? Having high EQ requires to really know how you are. So there's that element of self-awareness. Also, how are you interacting with your family members? I would guess that many people, you have to live with your family members at least some point in time. So how do you experience the best possible relationship out of that time that you're with them? So having high EQ would help you to do that better. And then when you get to school, right, you have to work with other uh, schoolmates where be it like a science project or um, you are in a club together or you need help with homework or understanding lecture materials. Like, yeah, you can try to do it on your own. Um, and most of the time it would save you diligent enough you can because there's just so much information out there. Mm-hmm. You can learn so much from, say, YouTube. But again, you know, that requires more time, effort, energy spent from you versus just going to a friend and say, hey, it seems like you've been getting good grades in this topic. You know, can you help me just pinpoint some things that I can do more or you can help me understand this material so, you know, I can get better grades too. So having the EQ would enable you to interact better with people and be more effective in whatever, again, goals that you want to pursue. And then when you're in the workspace too, once you get to that milestone, Right. So having high EQ would make you a better leader. And I'm not talking about authoritative leadership or leader position where you're in a manager role or something like that. But it's really just being a person who other people want to engage, work with and help support in whatever goal that you want to pursue. So there are just so many different benefits and layers of having or developing high EQ. Yes, yes. I wanted to follow up with you, Lillian, since you worked in human resources for many years, and now you're coaching as well. So I wanted to share with our younger audience, right, based on your observation, if we talk about self-awareness, I'm pretty sure most of them have not thought about it or worked on changing some of the areas that we discussed earlier in their younger years, right? So is this something you work with them now? Yeah, going back to what you mentioned earlier, it's whatever your tendencies, habits, behaviors, the, the especially those that you default to, even in adult age, that's that's been developed and instilled in you over time, ever since you were younger. So if now you're realizing that's impacting your relationships negatively, and you want to be proactive or be more intentional about changing it, we, we would talk about that. One of the things is maybe when you were younger, you've always have high energy, right? You're very active ever since you were younger. 
And you never really pay attention to how that high energy affects your relationship working with other people. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that hot people with higher energy tend to do is they're very fast at doing, doing, doing. So they're go, go, go all the time. (laughs) And also in meetings or conversation, right, they tend to talk a lot and they're just excited about something. But again, they never really stop and think like, oh, this was, this seemed to be encouraged when I was little. And it's always been like a good trait that everybody loved me. So I take this into the world of work, but now I'm seeing that some people don't want to work with me. Why is that the case? So that's just one example. With that realization, and if that person wants to adjust or change their, their tendencies, then we would talk about where's this behavior coming from? How is it affecting you right now with your relationships, say at work, for example? And what are some of the things that we can do to develop or strengthen our self-awareness in this specific area for now? And then the steps that we can take to really adjust so that we can listen better, right? We still exude that high energy, but in a different way where we don't take over the room every single time. I love what you just said. Just because you make a progress and you really become self-aware in your teen or young adult years, you're not set for life. Things change, situation change, just because a certain pattern or habit of who you are works really well in a certain environment at a certain age doesn't mean it's going to work everywhere all the time. Absolutely. Before we let you go, right, in case our listeners really want to learn more about self-awareness or follow you on social media, is there any information you can give us for them to connect with you? They can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, I use other platforms too, but those are my two, I wouldn't say favorite, but I frequent a lot, uh, very active on them. And you can search by my first and last name. Uh, Be sure to spell my first name Lillian with one L. And then (laughs) you'll see like a bunch of feeds that come up. Happy to connect and share more about this. Great. Thank you so much for being with us today. Really enjoyed our conversation about self-awareness. Yeah, Vanessa, thank you so much for having me. Hope you enjoyed our interview with Lillian Fung. Have you ever spent time thinking about what you're doing, how you're doing it, and why? Or have you observed yourself sometimes overreacting to a what others might consider small or insignificant situation, but then you wondered why your emotions exploded? Now, hopefully this episode got you thinking and maybe even a little curious to learn more about yourself. I would love to hear if you've taken any steps towards self-discovery. And again, thank you so much for spending time with us today and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Until then, have an amazing week. (music) 